Well, good morning. My name is Bill Stevere. I'm the senior pastor here. Today, uh, we are talking about words. Uh, words are really powerful. Words are powerful. And, and that means that today, as we talk about the power of words, there might not be a lot of amens. There might be a lot of uh-ohs. Uh, and so I just want to kind of give you that heads up as we go in. Because see, you and I know that words are powerful. Words have the power to, to tear people down. Uh, I, I think about this. Think about in your own life things that have been said to you, things that you've held on to probably for far too long, uh, uh, messages that have been communicated to you about who you are. Uh, in fact, if I were to ask you to write down just, the, just the, the first letter of a word that was said to you somewhere in your lifetime that you feel like, maybe I've held on to this idea way too long. You're lazy. You're stupid. Uh, you don't work hard. You don't, you know, you'll never, you're a failure. Um, what would you write down? Uh, I, I can remember when I was in middle school, we were playing this game and we were lifting uh, kids up and all this stuff. And this one girl was, she's like, oh, me next, me next. And I said, oh, we're going to lift her? God save the queen. Like, like I even knew what that meant. But it was like the most inappropriate thing to say. And everyone looked at me like, even as middle schoolers, they knew, no, you don't, you don't go there. That was wrong. Like, and the fact that it's over 30 years and I still remember it in such a powerful way, I always think to myself, what is this? Like, like she must think, I hope nothing good ever comes of Bill Stafiri. Like, I hope, I hope his life is a miserable mess right now uh, for the things that he said. Words have the power to tear down, but words also have the power to build up. I mean, think about the people in your life who have been uh, encouragers. They have been people who, who have animated you, who have spoken life into you. Uh, maybe it was a teacher, a professor, uh, a coach, a boss, uh, a parent, someone who has been able to say, I, I see this in you, or I believe in you, or I, I know you can do this. And, I, and, and you think about those people and those words that somehow they lifted you to levels that you couldn't have gotten to apart from hearing those words. I think of some of the professors I had in college who, whether they would write something on a, on a paper I wrote, or who would just pull me aside or ask me to stay after and say, hey, there's... We see something in you, and we want you to know that. And, and there was something about hearing those words that, that allowed me to be willing to take bigger risks because of those words. Words have the power to build up, not only as we have received them, but also I think of the ways that, I, as I have used words in the lives of people, I've watched the ways that words have built people's lives up. Uh, one, uh, when I was a youth pastor here uh, one summer, we had a kid named John in our, our group. It was the end of his freshman year. He's getting ready to go, uh, the end of his freshman summer. So he's getting ready to go in, uh, to be a sophomore in our group. And it was the first day. We were up at Thousand Pines. We were up at summer camp. And uh, I pulled John aside. We sat down on this log. And I said to John, I said, John, you are a leader. You are a leader. And I need you to be the leader I know you can be uh, to your friends and to this group over these next years. I think God's going to do some great things in you. I think God's going to do some great things through you. And John did become a tremendous leader over those next three years. I mean, uh, he really was one of the best uh, uh, student leaders I've ever had, I, that I ever had in all my time as a youth pastor. But it was interesting to talk to John in his adult years where he could say to me, Bill, do you remember at the end of my freshman year when you sat me on that log at Thousand Pines and we had that conversation, do you realize what that conversation meant? Like my, my life took a turn after that day because of the words you spoke to me. 
Uh, John's a pastor now, and he's just a, a great pastor, doing great things. And I don't think it's because of, of the words, but God used those words to accomplish the things that he wanted to do in John's life. And so I, I want to encourage you to think about this. Words are powerful. They have the power to build up a life. And so this is what we want to talk about today. Because what we're going to see is that uh, the tongue is not easily tamed. It is not easily controlled. And we, we are challenged to be able to control our words. Now, many of us know we've gotten in all kinds of trouble because of the words that have come out of our mouth or uh, through our, our fingers, through our keyboards, or through our thumbs. Like we just didn't control the message coming out of our life. And as a result, we, we cause all kinds of damage. And, and this is a, a very important part of the Christian life. And one of the things that we're seeing is that uh, as we're going to see today, is that this is not a recent problem. This is an ancient problem. And maybe even more correctly, we would say this is a human problem. Uh, people have always struggled with being able to control the, the, the messages and the words that they say. And so this is what we're going to be looking at today. And, and so here's our big idea, if you want to follow along. Uh, it, it's this, that words are powerful. They can build up, they can tear down. Words can build up or tear down. This simple thought, this is a simple thought, but it's not easy to embrace. But if you can embrace this one simple thought today, if you can leave today just having uh, ingrained in your mind, my words are powerful. Now I'm either going to use my words to build people up or I'm going to use my words to tear people down. If you can let God sear that into your heart, you're going to see a change. And this is what I think James is getting at. Uh, see, the one thing that we're, we're looking at today is we're going through this series called The Walk. And it is about, uh, we're walking through the, the book of James. James was the younger brother of Jesus who became a, a leader in the church. And he's writing to a group of, of Christians to say, your lifestyle, your walk, needs to demonstrate its genuineness by the way you live. The, the faith that you say you have, it, it needs to be demonstrated that it's genuine by the way you live. And as we're going to see today, that includes the way that we speak. Now, it's interesting, I think, as we think about today. Today is Father's Day, has been mentioned. And it's interesting because I think this is, this is a particularly important topic for us as fathers to think about. Uh, when we looked at this, we didn't plan it this way, but it became very obvious as we began to think about this that there's no need to do a separate Father's Day message. This, this is maybe one of the most important things that we could say to fathers uh, on Father's Day is to think about the words that we say to our children. Uh, see, some of you, uh, you know this, you have incredible wounds in your life. You have wounds in your life because of words that were said by your father. Uh, some of you have wounds in your life because your father, whether uh, he chose to check out early or just chose to be silent, uh, did not use words to build you up. And so there's a woundedness on a day like today for you. Uh, but some of you are going to realize, boy, I've been really blessed by a dad who's chosen to use his words in a way to lift me up and build me up rather than tear me down. Uh, but what I want to see, and Brian, I think, led us in a great way, is that we have a heavenly father who, as you're listening through, through worship and as we're coming together, there's a heavenly father who thinks so highly of you, who speaks words about, as Brian said, you, you are my son, you are my daughter. And despite what our experience is, and I, I know this was, we were sitting and preparing this, there was about 10 of us working on this message um, that are on the staff. 
And over half of us did not come from an experience where it was like a strong fatherly presence. And so we know this. We know coming into a day like this, it can be hard to kind of to think about it in this way. Um, But God as our father is redeeming that in our lives. And he's, uh, as he's being father, but he's also redeeming it so that the kinds of dads that we choose to be, uh, it can be different. See, for us as fathers, it's very important because not only is it important that we, we do this well, we know that, that we're breaking cycles. Uh, the Old Testament tells us that in some ways that the struggles we have sometimes don't just happen to us and happen in our life, but it can go on for generations and we want to break through those cycles as well. So let me encourage you. Uh, we're going to find that this is uh, a, an incredible moment for us to think through the kind of life that God wants us to live together. So let me invite you to turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, and we're going to look at the first 12 verses there. And today we're going to see that words, as small as they may seem when they come out of our life, uh, through mouth or thumbs or, or fingers, uh, but they have incredible potential and incredible power to build up or to tear down. So James chapter 3, let's read the first six verses and make an observation before we, we jump ahead to the, the second half of it. So James 3, starting in verse 1, says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We, who stumble, uh, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among all the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now let's stop there for a second and make a first observation. Notice what James is telling us, that your words have power for good or evil. For good or evil. And James is beginning, as he's saying, James is saying to us that the tongue has tremendous power. Our words have tremendous power. So he says, first of all, he was saying to to his audience, look, I know some of you aspire to be teachers. You you, You understand that a teacher has incredible influence. Your message can impact a number of hearers, so be very careful what you wish for. Because those of us who teach, those of us who, who have an audience, we come under stricter judgment. And so James begins his warning, be careful if you want to teach. But as he goes on, notice he begins to talk more generally about the impact of words have on our life. And he, begins, he gives us these, these two images to start with. First, a bit in the mouth of a horse. And second, the rudder on a ship saying, look, look how small these, these two items are. And yet notice how much control they have. That you can place a bit into the mouth, a, a, a leather strap or a piece of metal or whatever, and that giant beast can be controlled or take a, a boat. And that whole boat is, if, you, if you've ever been in a boat that has hit ground and lost its rudder, you are at the complete mercy of the wind and waves at that point. You have no, you cannot control a, a boat without a rudder. He says, as small as those things are, they have incredible power. Now, those first two images are neutral. But then look at the third image he gives us. 
And in the third one, the third illustration shows the potential for destruction. He talks about the, the image of a spark and a fire. And in the Palestinian countryside, it was very dry, very vulnerable. And a spark that was out of control could just burn up an entire area. Now, you and I living here in California, we're, we're no strangers to this, right? We, every, what, uh, October-ish, uh, about that time, we see this happen. We see a, a really hot summer dry everything out. Then those hot winds come, and all it takes is one spark, uh, one, one uh, 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 small thing that happens. And, and just complete devastation to homes, to landscapes, to all kinds of things. In fact, uh, a few years ago, Matt Johnson and I were up at, we were up at Thousand Pines Camp. And a small fire had broken out uh, down at the bottom of the mountain. Uh, and when we got there, but they, were like, they were saying, oh, you know, we think we can contain it. By the next day, we were actually in a session and all the lights went out, all the power went out. And they came in, they said, don't worry, everything's okay, you're going to be Okay. And then five minutes later, I said, no, you're not going to be okay. Everybody grab your stuff, get out. You got to get out down the mountain. And it was kind of this interesting moment where this fire had just taken off. It had lost control of it and it was burning up. And we thought we were going to lose the whole camp. And so we, we knelt down, we prayed over the camp and we, we got out of there. But as we were driving down the backside of the mountain, it was incredible. Uh, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. It was almost like when you're watching a movie and you see this war zone, just looking. It was completely black and just this, this glow. This small spark had ignited an entire hillside. Cabins and camps and all these things that were being lost because of a small fire. And think about this. This is what James is saying. Sometimes it's just one small word, one small message, something you didn't even think was going to be that significant. And complete devastation comes as a result Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, he says this, that words have a life to them. They can either be used for giving life or for taking it away. Now, it's not just that our words that we say to people that can do harm. It's also the words that we say about people. We call this gossip, and the Bible calls it gossip. In fact, the Bible, number of times, numerous times, warns us about being gossips and about even being around gossips. That this is a sin that, that is detestable to God. This is something that, that causes great, great harm. Uh, there was a, a woman who, the uh, uh, story about a woman who she began to gossip about another woman. Uh, in her church, and as she was sharing all these things, and it kind of got around, and then she discovered the things she was saying weren't true. And so she went to her pastor and said, how do I fix this? And the pastor said this, here's what I need you to do. I want you to take a pillow, a feather pillow. I want you to go out in the street and I want you to rip up the pillow. And I want you to let the feathers uh, uh, be released into the street. And then the next day I want you to come to me. She's, she thought, okay, this is kind of bizarre, but all right. And so she did it. And she came back the next day. She said, okay, now what do I do? He said, I want you to go back into the street and I want you to pick up all the feathers and she said, that's impossible. There's no way. He goes, that's the point. That's what gossip does. That the moment we let it go, it's, it's impossible for us to get it back. The power of words. Words have the power for good or for evil to build up lives or to tear them down. Now, fathers, can I speak just to you, moms and ladies? Just take a second. You can do whatever you want to do. But let me just talk just to the, to the dads or potential dads right now for a moment. Dads, we know, we know, right, how 
powerful our words are in the lives of our children. Your children, my children, are going to grow up believing words we speak about them. The things we say to them, the things that we tell them about who they are. And this can go either way. We can either build our children up or we can tear them down. Uh, one, one writer says it this way. Uh, Mike Berry says, our words have power. My words have power. Your words have power. With one word spoken, you can build skyscrapers of, of self-esteem and self-worth in your children. And with one word or no words, you can blast deep wounds in the fibers of their souls. Let me just give you an example of that. Take these, take these statements and think about this. To hear these words, I believe in you. Or, why can't you do anything right? Or, I am so proud of you. Or, why can't you be more like your sister? Our words have tremendous power in the lives of our kids. And we have to take this very, very seriously. Our words can be used for good or for evil to raise them up, to to build them up, or to tear them down. Now, notice what James continues to say, verse 7, it says this, that all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, the second thing we see here from James is he's saying this, that your words have to be controlled. Your words have to be controlled. Notice what he's, he's teaching us is that if you can, now this is kind of, a, this is an interesting moment in the book of James, that he's saying, remember he's been teaching us that we've got to have a, this genuine life that reflects a genuine faith. And so he's gotten to this moment saying, look, of all the parts of our life that are hard to control, maybe no part is harder than the tongue and our speech and our words. But... If you can control this part of your, your life, you can maybe control, you can build off the rest of your life that your whole life can find a sense of self-control. But you notice what he's saying, that this does not come easily. This is not the first time James has spoken of this, right? Remember we saw earlier that we are to be uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. He also said this, he said, uh, those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues to deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. To say we have faith, but to have no control over the, the things that come out of our mouth, the messages of our life, is to say, your, your faith, your religion, this is, it's worthless. Notice what he's saying for us. He's saying, we go from praising God to cursing the people that we know are made in God's image. Brothers and sisters, that, that doesn't fit, right? That's not right. We know that. So here again, we see James calling us. He's, he's coaching us saying, look, you know this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way we want to be. It's the way it is. It's the way, things that we struggle with. But you know that's not how God wants it to be. And what he's saying is that in human strength, we just do not have the power. 
He's saying, isn't it interesting that we have the power to tame all kinds of animals, land animals, sea animals, birds. We, like I remember, I got, I got to go to, uh, I've been to Africa a few times. The first time I went, I got to be, at, we were on this break and I was in this place um, and they, uh, they said, hey, do you want to get a photo holding a king cobra? I'm like, yeah, because I'm 20 and I don't get repercussions. Um, and so they, they put this king cobra in my hand and they're getting ready to take the photo. And I, I thought to ask this, so like the poison's been removed from this cobra, right? And they're like, and the guy's like, oh no, not at all. Uh, we have the anti-venom right over there. Smile. I was like, you know, quick, 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 take the photo. Like, because I didn't want to see to what level they had tamed that snake. I just like, that was plenty. But the fact that we can tame all these kind of creatures, James is saying, isn't it interesting that we can even tame these creatures, but we can't even control our own mouth. We can't even control these, these things. We can't do it. But think about what James is saying, he's, he, what he's hinting at. But God can do it in us. God can do it through us. The tongue needs to be controlled. To tame means to control it or to render it useful, helpful. And he's saying, look, there's a way, if we can learn to tame it, to use our words in a, in a productive way, then we can, we can build people up. Transformation can't happen. Now, here's one of the beautiful things about God. God, yeah, some of you maybe have said in your heart already, uh-oh, a lot of times. God has not stopped God's affection for you, his love for you. But here's the wonderful thing about God as our father, as a loving father. He loves us as we are, but he loves us also enough not to leave us in that place. And so he leads us into transformation. He's coaching us to, so that we can become more and more like his son. And so one of the things that we, we come to the end of this and say, okay, so then how do we do it? How do I tame this, the tongue? How do I tame my thumbs? How do I tame the messages coming from my life? And James gives us some great word pictures. Let's look back at them. Here's a couple things. This is not an exhaustive list. Um, but let's think of it this way. Let's think about both the words that come out, but let's think also about um, the, the, the other things that we use to communicate. So let's think about email and texting and posting on social media. All things that we know uh, we're at a great disadvantage when it comes to communicating because you lose things like tone. You lose all the nonverbal cues that happen when you're in a face-to-face conversation. I was, I was talking actually to someone even this morning and he was saying how someone apologized to him because he, he sent an email and he says, I can see when you read that email why you might have been offended. He didn't think of it when the guy, I didn't think of it when he sent it, but then once he heard it through the, the ears of this person, how he received it, he realized, oh wow, I really... I caused some damage here and I need to fix it. So let's think about these, these two things together. Here's, here's a couple of things I think James shows us from some of these, these images. Number one, he says this, start with your heart. Start with your heart. Your words reveal who you are. They reveal our character. And we see this in verses 11 and 12 when he, he, he's given us a, an image to say, look, you want to figure out what kind of character you have. He's saying, look, taste the spring uh, taste the fruit on the tree. It, it doesn't lie. So what he's saying, he's talking about the condition of our heart, the condition of our character, the kind of person we are. Start there. Now Jesus, okay, let's think about this. Here's his older brother. Remember his older brother said this, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus had started this message uh, before him, years, ago, years before this. Jesus had said, look, that the messages that come out aren't really, it's not really the tongue 
that needs to be tamed as much as we have to dig down into our heart and see what's going on. If you're going to tame your tongue, one of the ways you tame your tongue is you start with your heart and you ask yourself, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? If you say something hurtful, destructive, could you have the courage to ask God, God, where did that come from? What, is there a place of hurt or bitterness or pain or, or frustration or fear? Where, where is that coming from? The tongue is merely the messenger that carries the message of the heart. Could you ask God, God, help me see, where is this, what place is this coming from? The psalmist does this, and I think this is, uh, if you want a, a daily prayer, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, are a, 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 it's a beautiful prayer to pray. Um, but think about this prayer. He says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and then lead me in a way everlasting. It's a, now, this is such a cool uh, word picture. So that this idea of being searched, it, it's like a military idea of, of a spy. He's saying, send spies into my heart and find the blind spots. Find where I'm vulnerable. Find where I'm going to be destroyed. And reveal those things to me and lead me out of that. Lead me into a place where my life is built and finds life, not into that place where I'm going to be destroyed. Could you be, if if something destructive comes out of your mouth, could you ask God, could you have the courage to ask God, Lord, where did that come from? Dig down deep, deep, deep to see where is this coming from and address that spot. Number two, think and pray before you respond. Think and pray before you respond. Uh, Think about what he said in verse five, that a small spark can cause a devastating fire. And sometimes we do not realize that the response, before we respond to something maybe that has been hurtful said to us or some situation, before we say something, or post something, or write something. Think, pray beforehand, because again, think of these words. Am I sure this is not going to cause more destruction? Even a small word can cause a devastating fire. Let's think for a moment when it comes to social media for us. Friends, the, the world is watching us as Christians. The things we, the, we post, they're watching, in essence, the way that we speak out loud. And when you repost something, you're basically saying, that is my message too. So let's be thoughtful. Let's be prayerful when it comes to that. Before we fire something that we can't get back, you do realize that even when you delete it, those things, there's still a digital footprint out there. You can't always get everything back the way you think you can. Let's be smart about this. Let's pray. Let's be thoughtful. Now let me put this, this phrase up there on, on the board. Maybe you can write this down. Uh, and you, can put, you guys can add to your own list at lunch. Um, but we were trying to think through this. We, we kind of did this fill in the blank. If you blank, don't say it. So we started saying, we sat in a circle and we were like, okay, so what are some of the, the, the ground rules? We were saying, oh, if you can't say it in church, don't say it. If you are going to make your mom cry, don't say it, right? And we kind of kept going on. It, you know, uh, uh, this goes for those of you, and some of you won't even know what this is. If you're going to only post it on your secret account, don't post it, Okay. Uh, it goes on and on. You guys can come up with your own, but you start thinking, if, put, put this down and start thinking about this. If you, and put your condition, then I shouldn't say it. Think about this. 
Don't say things through text messaging, email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, that you would not say face-to-face. If you wouldn't say it face-to-face to someone, then don't post it there. Again, think about this. James is saying, don't you realize, I know you think it's just 140 characters, but all it takes is 140 characters to create a devastating fire. Now, dads, I want to talk to you just for a moment because I know a lot of dads, especially around this age, uh, we have a lot of dads who are involved with their kids. You coach their teams or they're in sports or they're in performing arts or whatever it is. Dads, this is where we get in a lot of trouble. Amen? Amen, right? We, we uh, Stop nudging your husbands. Um, uh, this is where we realize we say things that we wish we could take back. We say things to our kids, and we mean well, and we want their best. But let's be honest, we sometimes are so quick to correct in the name of coaching that we forget to catch the things they do right, the things they do well. I was laughing, uh, when I was going through this, I was laughing at myself because my son plays baseball, he's a good baseball player, um, but he had a week earlier this year, a couple weeks ago, um, which within three days span, he had a hit off two kids that were just recently this week drafted by Major League Baseball. Uh, and so uh, I was sitting there, th- after those games, I was saying, like, hey, what if you started working on, and, and when I looked at this, I thought, what? Who am I to try to coach my son about how to hit a 92-mile-an-hour fastball when I have not been in a batter's box in over 30 years? Like, I, I should simply say, son, I am just so, so proud of you that you did not start crying in there when, when, when Nick Prado started throwing you. How in the world do you stand in there and not bail out? I, I would just be like, coach, I'm sick, man. I got, I don't know, hangnail. I've got something. I just, I can't play today. I used to, my, my older son used to play hockey, and we get in the car, and it was my wife who showed me this. She said, you know, it's funny. You start coaching him about all the things he didn't do, but I'd never hear you talking about the two goals he did score or the things that he did do right. And we get in a lot of trouble because we just cannot tame our tongue. We can't hold back, and we say things we regret. It's interesting. After decades of work working with athletes, Bruce Brown, Rob Miller, found out that there are really six words. There are six words our kids want to hear from us. And they asked us. These were college athletes. And they said, what, what, what's the overwhelming message you wanted to hear from your parents as, a, as an athlete growing up? And here are the six words. I love to watch you play. I love to watch you play. You know what they want to hear from us? Man, I just love being out there watching you. Someone said this, before competition, these are the words you say. Have fun, play hard, and I love you. After the competition, did you have fun? I'm proud of you. I love you. Number three, welcome accountability. Notice what he's saying, that the tongue defies us. It has a life of its own. It cannot be tamed, but notice what he says that in verse 3, that a horse can be controlled if you put a bit in its mouth. Now, the horse, I don't know if you've noticed this, horses don't reach down onto the ground, pick up the bit with their own mouth. Someone else places that bit in their mouth to help control them. Let me ask you this. Who in your life can speak truth in love to you and say, you shouldn't have said that? Or you probably should take that down. Do you have someone, a trusted someone in your life who can speak truth and love? Can someone put a bit in your mouth that you trust? Welcome accountability. 
And then here's the last thing. Commit to building up, not tearing down. Commit to building up, not tearing down. Uh, many people say this about the book of James. They say it's, it's really almost like the New Testament version of the book of Proverbs. These, all these wise sayings that kind of move real quick. If you want to read a, a number of, of scripture passages about this, the book of Proverbs is filled with it. Listen just to two Proverbs and what they say about the, the, the way that our words should be used to build up lives. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says this, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Let me ask you this. Who this week do you need to build up with your words? Who who do you need to be complimenting? Who do you need to be uh, affirming? Who do you need to be encouraging, inspiring? Who this week... Who, this day, do you need to build up with your words? Mark Twain said, said it this way. He said, I could live, on, uh, live for two months on a good compliment. And I know this. I, I actually have a folder in my, I have one at home and one at, at work. It's called the Smiles folder. And it's just notes and cards and, and uh, things I get from people. So when I get into my, my downer phase where I just want to eat a, a pint of ice cream and cry and, you know, uh, wrap myself up in a blanket, I pull out that folder, I read these notes, and I remind myself. Most of them are written by Lisa Allen, but uh, I, I just read these notes over and over again and just am reminded, like, don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Dads, one last thing. The answer we see is not silence. So if you as a dad are saying, man, I, I, I'm not very good at this. I don't, I don't have very good control, so I'm just going sh- to shut up and just not say anything. James is not suggesting the answer is silence. What he's saying is, with God's help, we can control this. And the bigger picture of Scripture is saying our words can be used to build up lives. I love what John Maxwell said yesterday. He said this. He said to dads, he said, Every child needs, needs to hear these three things from their father. I belong, I am loved, and I am special. Our words matter. And dads are words to our kids Matter And now, parents, you know, those of you like me who have kids that are, uh, you don't get to stop being a parent once they're 18, right? Okay? So we continue to have an important voice in the lives of our kids, even after they're, they're, they're adults. Uh, the words, our words matter, and they matter here at Beach Point. We want this world to encounter us and say there's just something different about these people. They're genuine. And I hope they'll say something, too, like about our dads. That they'll encounter you on the, on the fields, the soccer fields and the baseball fields and the basketball courts. And they'll say, you know what? These Beach Point dads are a little different. They're just, there's something about the way they speak to their kids and even to my kids. That there's something different about them. And my hope is in some ways what they'll see is and what they're experiencing is the fruit off the tree of our life. The walk of our life. There's something so, it's so ripe. It's so inviting. It's so good. And so let's pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray two things. First, dads. I want you, and dads and potential dads, I want you to pray, I want you to take a moment to do this. Take a moment this Sunday and to pray that God would use you to be someone who builds up 
your kids through your words. Now for all of us, I'll put Psalm uh, 139 back on on the screen. And again, uh, today, the purpose of today is not to beat you up. Its purpose is to say, okay, Lord, search our hearts. Why is this getting away from me? Why do I feel the need to lash out this way or to say these things? Or why did I write this? Or what it, what's going on in my heart? And so I want, you, I want to just give you a moment just to, to, to think through and to pray through. And maybe God will kind of bring that to mind. But let's take a moment, just quiet. You have about 90 seconds of silence. And then we'll continue in worship.